0: From the Financial Times in New York, I'm Amy Keene, and this is FT News. Global equity markets have taken investors on a wild ride this week. Market activity in just the first two days of trading saw the biggest eruption in volatility in three years. And Wall Street is still rocking from its biggest one-day loss in about seven years. John Authors, the FT senior investment commentator, joins me here in New York. John, you came into the office on Monday. I think you and I had a brief exchange about where inflation was headed. Yeah you sat down presumably to start on your column. What happened in the late hours of the afternoon before close of trade that turned the day upside down in terms of US equity markets? Well,
1: they fell an awful lot very, very suddenly and with no obvious outside cue. So we had a run of the mill, unscary but bad day until about two o'clock in the afternoon. And then you saw quite remarkable heavy selling and you saw a very, very sharp spike in the VIX index. It's known as the fear gauge, which tries to derive how much people are trying to hedge against volatility in the future from how much they're prepared to pay for options to uh, hedge against volatility in the future. Now, that meant that we went from what has been a sort of steady correction, what looks like a calm adjustment to rising rates and worries about inflation, to, I think it's fair to call it a mini-crash. So in points terms, which is not a particularly valid way to look at it, but in points terms, as all the headlines said, it was the worst points fall for the Dow ever. In a more valid way of looking at it, the main indexes did indeed have their worst day since 2011. And when that happened, it was because the S&P credit rating agency had downgraded US Treasury debt. That was a huge deal. So it was a remarkable sell-off, which took A lot of us here in the office, as well as a lot of traders in Wall Street, very much by surprise.
0: And the sell-off continued in trading in Asia.
1: While we were sleeping, you saw a continuation of the very sharp sell-offs that we'd had in the States. There was nothing particularly surprising about that. The big element that you did see was that you had these very specialized investment products which bet against volatility that had run into trouble, and it was clear in the prospectus that they had what you might call a poison pill or a kill switch in them that you could actually force them out of business altogether, which if you've borrowed and sold them means that you can make a lot of money that way. So you saw very dramatic action after hours shorting their shares and buying futures in the VIX. That happened also to involve one of these products that was underwritten by the Japanese bank Nomura, So that made for great excitement across the Pacific. You saw a very ugly sell-off in Japan, which is likely not to stay quite as bad as that for very much longer. And you also saw a poor day in, in Europe. None of that is terribly surprising after the scary day that you'd had in Wall Street, that the other international markets took their lead from Wall Street.
0: And before we get into the triggers and the sort of why and what next, where did things close on Tuesday afternoon?
1: Tuesday afternoon, we have had, again, to the extent that this means much, the biggest rise in points terms of the Trump presidency. Oddly enough, the last rise that was bigger than this was on election day itself when people bought stocks because they thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then, of course, they carried on buying stocks because Donald Trump had won instead. That said... What we're talking about is a bounce back from an extreme position on Monday night. We are still talking about very sharp declines from seven or eight days ago. We're talking about an S&P which is now just barely up for the year when obviously not so long ago it was the best start for a year in many decades.
0: Let's get to the triggers now. What was the first domino to fall to cause this dramatic sell-off?
1: I would argue that that comes from the bond market. The bond market sets the price of money, particularly the uh, 10-year Treasury yield. All mortgage contracts ultimately uh, judged from that, not just here in the States, but across the world. And corporate debt similarly is benchmarked against that. So it's a very important yardstick. It has steadily risen, and at the beginning of last week, It sounds very innocuous, but the yield on the 10-year Treasury got to 2.66%. And that has significance for people in the markets because 10-year Treasuries have been on a very steady downward trend for decades, literally since the early 1980s, reflecting the belief that inflation has been squeezed out of the system. It scared people a lot in those markets that Treasury yields were apparently now beginning definitely to move upwards. We saw it move up to uh, 2.85% by the end of the week. Again, that sounds innocuous, but that's a very big proportionate increase in the cost of debt, the cost of money. At the same
0: time, then, we had wage data out on Friday.
1: Yes, you've had the stock market at last stalls and begins to get nervous last week as you've had that move in the bond prices. And then on Friday, we had what really was very good news for the economy, which was that we had the best increase in average hourly earnings... It all comes out as part of the unemployment data. In the best part of a decade, since 2009, this is exactly what has caused such deep discontent in the populace, why people are angry with the status quo, because wages have stagnated for so long. But the problem is that if wages are under control, then inflation is under control. And if you see wages sharply increase, suddenly it begins to occur to you, if you're a trader in the market, maybe I can't assume inflation is under control. The other very important point to point out on that is that it's a very noisy series. It's prone to revision. We had a series of natural disasters in the States towards the end of last year. That would only be expected to cause a dip and then a recovery and so on. It's not clear that this is really indicative of anything very much as yet. So it does show that people are beginning to get nervous and jumpy that it had the effect that it did.
0: Finally, John, uh, looking ahead, I'm not going to ask you to tell the future. That would be a futile task here. But what are the next couple of data releases that investors in the U.S. equity markets are going to be looking at particularly closely?
1: I'll give you three. There's the next inflation data, which is on Valentine's Day. If we're worried about inflation, and I do think that that's what lay behind the beginning of this concern, then that's obviously going to be important and and a surprise in either direction could really move the market out of where it is now. Then, of course, we're going to have the next edition of the unemployment data for this month coming out the first Friday of next month.
0: Where we could also see some adjustments for the January data. Precisely.
1: If this can be revealed as a fluke, then I would imagine that would calm things down considerably. But I suspect you won't in any case see things calm down completely and go back to their previous course until we've had the first Fed monetary policy meeting with Jay Powell in the chair, which isn't until later on in March. It is one where you have a press conference. As of the immediately after Janet Yellen's last meeting, which was only last Wednesday, still less than a week ago, the market said that there was a 99.7% chance that Jay Powell would start his career by hiking rates. It's still pretty high, but it's gone down to 83% now despite the fact that inflation has gone up, which would mean you're more likely to hike rates. So it's obvious that that is going to be a big deal, even if things calm down somewhat for the next month. The March Fed meeting is going to be a very big deal.
0: So we'll have to stay tuned for that. You can read more on this and all of our markets coverage at ftcom forward slash markets. And you can get John Author's daily email Author's Note, you can sign up for it at ft.com forward slash nbe and click on Author's Note. Thanks, John. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corriente.
1: Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.